Welcome into Denver Sports tonight. Cecil Lammy, Andrew Mason. We got plenty to talk about. Of course, starting with the breaking news, Jake Shapiro, DenverSports.com, joins us now on that Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. Uh, Jake, uh, whew, two days of you breaking news, brother. Um, and uh, well, this time. Let's keep it newsy. I think people are maybe reaching a little bit where they shouldn't. Uh, but Seattle police report involving Valerie Nachushkin leads to more questions. Latest top story at denversports.com. Jake, welcome. What do we know? So what we know, guys, I'll start from a couple days ago. The Colorado Avalanche deemed Valerie Nachushkin out from game three moving forward for personal reasons and basically said there's no timetable for his return. We know he left Seattle um, before the rest of the team, and he left the team. We haven't heard much in basically a week, and what we've come to find out from gathering a police report today is that last Saturday afternoon, when team employees at the team hotel went to go find Valeri Natushkin, who had missed morning skate earlier that day, they found a woman, and this woman was heavily intoxicated. The Avalanche team doctor got involved. He then was hit at some point by this woman. He is not going to press charges. And he called 911 because this woman was so intoxicated. He felt that she could not have left the hotel on her own volition or safely arrived to her next destination with a car or a cab or anything like that. So 911 comes there. Uh, they talk to the doctor. They talk to an off-duty police officer who is traveling with the ABS from the Denver Police Department. And the woman says that a bad person has taken her passport and that she never should have left Russia, where she's initially from. And those are about all the details we have right now. So we still don't know what happened to Valeri after this incident. We know that he was somewhat involved. He was obviously an associate of this woman. We don't know in what capacity. And we know Valeri is no longer with the team. And we know the woman um, was heavily intoxicated to the point that she needed to be escorted via ambulance to uh, a hospital. Yeah, you kind of of touched on it there, Jake, that, uh, you know, the kind of the the stuff on, on, on Val specifically kind of, ends at this point and we don't know kind of uh where where it is um what i mean it's so early but i mean what are we looking at with the ramifications of this for val and the and like and and what happens from here i mean is, is there any is there it could he be in trouble at some point because of this or is he just in wrong place wrong time i don't know that it's the wrong place wrong time mace because he seems to have been Um, somewhat responsible for the incident. However, nothing came of it legally. No one's pressing charges. Valeri did nothing wrong, according to the police officers that named him in this incident report. This woman, she did hit the team doctor, but he doesn't want to press charges, and they're going to blow past that. So nothing legally happened here, uh, according to Seattle Police Department. Now, is Valeri in trouble with the team somehow? And the answer, I think, uh, the, the percentage increase of that answer being yes increased today. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. there's there's something off here, right? They found a very intoxicated woman. Police did not say if it was alcohol or drugs. 
in a hotel room. One could make the jump that it's Valeri's hotel room because they were looking for Valeri at the time, but police did not say it was Valeri's hotel room. So what we know is there's a very drunk woman, associate of Valeri Nishushkin, brought back to the Avalanche Team Hotel, and it was a situation that caused Valeri to now miss the next couple games, and he did not appear at optional morning skate that day where they were looking for him. I mean, I said I would be newsy, but honestly, I just don't want uh, anyone to be in trouble with the bad people that perhaps took this woman's passport. At least that's what she said. So to keep it still newsy, because everyone's speculating, and we probably shouldn't do that, Jake, um, but to just keep it newsy, when are the abs going to tell us something? The hemorrhage don't bleed. It's PR 101. They should come out and tell us as much as they can, as soon as they can. Do you anticipate that will happen? Yeah, well, well. Let's just run you through a scenario here, um, and I've ran through this scenario before. If Val is dealing with a death in the family, we didn't need all the gory details of what stage cancer a family member has or something. Or in this case, because it's drugs and alcohol related, um, if Val had some sort of incident where he needed help with drugs or alcohol, I think that us as you know media people and the fans of the app would be a lot more empathetic towards Valeria Nichushkin going through something like that and uh, an issue that he's having, having a hard time controlling or something like that. So PR 101, like if we had just been told from day one that an incident happened at the hotel and now there, you know, Valeria was, you know, not doing well after and he's going to need some mental health days or, you know, He's going to need a little bit of a mental break, and he's got, he's got some stuff he's got to work through. Even that would have been a lot more than what we would have been given, and it wouldn't have probably led to me and about 10 other reporters digging through the Seattle police blotter for the last 10 days. Do you think the fact that uh, you had team security involved in Val uh, leaving the hotel and, um, and, and team security even involved with, uh, with things before, that, before he, he left – do you think that's part of why there's been kind of radio silence? Because maybe uh, as, as long as this thing is outstanding, they just can't say anything? Legally, nothing happened here. So the question then becomes, did he break a code of conduct rule, either within the avalanche or the NHL? And that's why they may not be able to say anything. Um I mean, the NHL, just because we're talking about drugs and alcohol, does have a drug policy. Um, and they do have some, you know, guys who have gone through that policy as of late. I think Mace uh, Spencer Knight with the, with the Florida Panthers has been going through some stuff. And there have been a couple other players that have been going through some stuff here recently. Um, and the NHL has been very frontward facing and trying to help some players out in those circumstances. Um, that's the only thing that makes sense here as to why the Avalanche haven't been able to say anything. Now, maybe they just have chosen to say nothing rather than been forced to say any, nothing. Mm-mm-mm. Jake Chabarro, I got to lighten the mood, buddy. I got to, because this is, especially if you think about stuff, it's pretty damn heavy. Uh, you got any more breaking news for us? <laughs> After two days <laughs> of, of breaking stories uh, nationwide, Jake Chabarro, you got anything else, buddy? 
the Thunder twelve and one with Kevin Durant against the Nuggets this year. Or, uh, you against, said that was a uh, faulty twelve and one, though. I read I read your latest at DenverSports.com. You said it was a faulty twelve and one. It's a faulty twelve and one, Cecil. I think we've got some things to be excited for in this series. Well, they don't have any depth, I, I right? Like the, the Suns don't have any depth. They, they might as Suns well play have, Suns and four guys, the fifth guy or the sixth guy off the bench. Suns in four, Suns have four. How about that? <laughs> uh, Jake, we appreciate you. Um, you're one of the best, man. Keep it up. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Jake. All right, kill it with the draft coverage, guys. Thanks, guys. There we go. Jake Shapiro, denversports.com. Andrew Mason, how are you? I'm doing all right. You just flew in and your arms are tired? Yeah. I just, <laughs> I just flew in from Milwaukee and boy, okay. are my arms tired. We need all a right. shot after that. And um, here comes Travis Kelsey. Here comes Pat Mahomes. Here comes the Lombardi Trophy. The NFL draft is almost underway. Yeah. It, it, of course, it's, it's opening with a Kansas City flavor being in Kansas City. By the way, yes. so I was watching the stuff, bef- the, the pre-draft stuff. And I gotta say, everyone. So everyone just stands there for like four or five hours the whole night. There's no place to sit. Yeah, for the thousands of people. Yeah, that doesn't sound like fun at all. Um. Well, it is the draft, and it is crazy. I don't know the attendance, but I know that Nashville over the three days yeah. had a million people come through. Yeah, now, they had bars and stuff because it was done on that one main street. Yes. in Nashville, so that was different. But Philadelphia had two hundred fifty thousand people. That was just standing around in the Rocky Park. Yes, yeah, I think I liked it when they did it in Dallas at Jerry World, where people yes. could actually sit in the stands. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that 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 be more. That'd be more my speed, but I'm getting old. Yeah. Well, and mm. they, they kind of figured it out because they went from Radio City Music Hall, which had a couple thousand seating, mm-hmm. I believe, top of my head. Let's go way back. They used to have it in just hotels. In hotels, right. They had it like, I mean, you go back to the 83 draft, the famous uh, draft of 40 years ago when the Broncos uh, didn't take John Elway, but they traded for John Elway a few days later. Mm-hmm. Um, they had that at the uh, the ballroom of the Sheraton in New York City. Yeah. And um, and now look at it. And then they went for, for a few, I think they used the uh, Marriott Marquis Ballroom for a while. And then the first draft I covered, it was at the uh, the theater that's adjacent to Madison Square Garden. Okay. They had like a 3,000-seat theater. And uh, the thing I remember is that on day two of the draft, because it was only two days, the first day, obviously, were the first uh, three rounds. Day two, it was the diehard. There were like... Like you one used or, to get a pin for that. Yeah, one, die hard. One, one or two hundred people, and I just remember as one pick was taking so long. You know, you have these uh, typical New New York Weisenheimers up there in the upper deck, and some <laughs> guy yells, "Make the pick already!" <laughs> <laughs> he's a day who die hard, but he's a little impatient. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's that's yeah, right. And so it, it's it's wild to see what the uh, the NFL draft. Has become yes. now. I, I, it just it's a spectacle. Blew it's my, it blew my mind. And, and they the figured power- out in Chicago. Chicago's where they figured out. They did draft town for two years. They uh-huh. had somewhat attendance. Weather was garbage yeah. in Chicago. But when they did that, and they're like, "Wait a second, we can move this thing around. We can get hundreds of thousands of people to show up for something." And then Dallas, Philadelphia, Nashville, COVID, Vegas. Uh-huh. You know, like. They've they've definitely figured out. I honestly, yeah, Cleveland kind of got hosed. Yes, they did, but because a, they got a, the first draft right after. As a draft COVID. fan, I I'm actually shocked that it's this big. It gets better ratings than the Stanley Cup Final, the World Series, and the NBA Finals. It's going to get better ratings than the NBA playoffs that are going on. 
yeah. this, the, the course of this weekend. That's right. That the remark that, that is the remarkable thing about this draft is, about the, the draft, and you're watching it. If you're a Bronco fan, most Bronco fans are going to watch it tonight. Yeah, even though the chances of the team being on the clock tonight are minimal. I'd say about one in twenty. I said ten percent. You so you say one in ten. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, don't make me do math. But I said 10%. I'll do the math for both of us. Okay, How about thank that? you. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, I said 10%, and I feel that's way high. Like, I feel well, that's Well, then why don't high. you join me at 1 in 20? It's 5%. Because I said 10, and I'm stubborn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we can agree on it. That's fine. I mean, we you know, we don't have to have different answers for the sake of having different answers. Well, I just like 10. Nice round number. Yeah. There you go. Well, it's, you know, five times two. And what's funny is a month ago, it seemed like C.J. Stroud was going to be the number one pick. A week ago, it seemed like C.J. Stroud would fall to seven to the Raiders. Now, it seems like C.J. Stroud might be number two. The Panthers are on the clock with the number one overall pick. We expect it to be Bryce Young, and it's funny. Can we we report picks being tipped? Sure. Uh, Of all people, Sham Sharania, guy Sham's bomb. Beyond the NF, beyond the NBA into the NFL, okay. says it's gonna be Bryce Young. Okay, good. So there it is. Nice, Bryce Young. And he's not a jerk like Wojnarowski, right? Uh, I heard that about Woj bombs. Far, like he'll get mad if you break NBA news. And far fire. as I know, I mean, I, I don't have any uh, personal insight into okay. uh, into Shams uh, his, his personal character. Well, what's funny right. is Nick Saban has had forty one players drafted in the first round, never number one overall. Yeah, and tonight he has it in Bryce Young. And you could argue that he also has the most the, the player who may well be atop of a lot of teams' draft boards, and that's Will Anderson. Will Anderson, right? But it's the primacy of the quarterback position, and the fact the Panthers traded up and needed it. I I like this uh, of the four quarterback possibilities here. Realistically, I liked Bryce Young the best. I believe he is the most scheme independent quarterback. Yes, and thus. He's going to be if if you're asking him to if you asked him to do to to run a Kyle Shanahan Sean McVay offense he could do that well if you're asking him to 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 run an offense that's going to spread that's going to be a spread that's going to spread out horizontally he can do that if you're going to ask if you're going to ask him to run an offense that is you know basically the you know the old Mike Marsh Don Coryell concepts he can run that too yeah. and I think that that's the thing I, with C.J. Stroud. I believe he can succeed, but you're going. It's going to be you put him in the right type of situation, very much like Baltimore designed its offense around Lamar Jackson, and thus right. he became an MVP. I think with Bryce Young, you can plug him in any scheme, and he's going to be a pretty effective. The quarterback. thing that made Bryce Young my number one quarterback this year was his pass placement. People always talk about accuracy. For me, I'm looking for smart and accurate. But I'm also looking for, do you lead your receivers? Yep. Are you putting them in the right spot? Are you putting the ball on the right shoulder? And are you keeping maybe some of the coverage away from your guys, maybe shielding and helping your wide receivers? The great ones like Peyton Manning could do that, where they're putting it on opposite sides of your numbers. That's how accurate those guys are. Bryce Young has that proper pass placement. He's got great footwork. If you want him to do RPO, he could. But he doesn't take off to run. You know, And I always appreciate that when a guy's an athletic quarterback – who can run, but he doesn't just do that first, right? Mm-hmm. One read and then take off and run. Yeah, no, he'll go through his progressions, and he, he's very, he's very well drilled, and frankly, with a pretty interesting roster that's got some talented pieces. Um, 
on it. I mean, remember, the Panthers the, in the past season, they turned down a, a, a deal to um, – they they turned down uh, they turned down trades that would have gutted the roster. Mm-hmm. Now of course, DJ Moore they lose him. They 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 trade yeah, him they to make to, this deal to make that move. They had to they had to sacrifice DJ Moore to move up and get Bryce Young as a but it was up. Brian Burns they didn't want to get rid of exactly. And they were offered what like two first rounders. There wasn't there like a crazy offer there out was, there for a while. It looked like the Rams were were, were getting in there. With what, the Rams say, forget them picks. Yeah, I mean, like, with, and it's like, with what draft capital? It's funny how the Rams, in the course of six months, have gone from making an audacious offer of, of years down the line draft capital left for Brian Burns to effectively saying, we're rebuilding this year. Mm-hmm. You know, and Sean is sticking around for that. Life moves pretty fast. It does. Their last first-round pick was... Jared Goff. <laughs> Think That's about that. Amazing. Twenty sixteen. Their last first round pick. When the Rams make a first round pick, it'll be their last pick since Jared Goff. Put it this way: that was so long ago that they had yet to play their first game back in Los Angeles. That was the off season they moved from St. Wow. Louis. Wow. Wow. So they had not played uh, at that moment when the last time they made a first round pick, they had gone over twenty one years since playing a game. A home game in Southern California. Wow. So here's where the chaos begins because the pick has the pick is in. We know it's going to be Bryce Young. Uh-huh. Two on, and I told everybody I did my first mock, my only mock. It's uh, it's ruined after one. Like I won right, yay! But then after that, like because I've heard New England moving up to two, trading Mac Jones to Houston. New England is interesting because of the relationship Tennessee. with Casario with. Uh, with with right, Patriots. Right, and that's why the Mac Jones thing was involved mm-hmm. there. Like, okay, they could throw Mac Jones them and then swap their first-round picks. Heard about Tennessee, who wants C.J. Stroud. They're done with Ryan Tannehill. They don't believe in Malik Willis. Like, two is any number of possibilities. It is. And I have to, you have to wonder, though, if Houston doesn't come out with a quarterback, what is their realistic plan at that at that most important Are they position? punting for next year with real franchise quarterbacks next year? Yeah, and that's that's another thing to discuss because we can sit here and we can point to today two QBs who if they were in this year's class would have gone one-two yep. ahead of Bryce Young, and that's Caleb Williams from USC and Drake May from North Carolina. Here's Roger Goodell. The Carolina Panthers select... Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama. Woo! All right, that's Bryce Young. Everybody's happy in Charlotte. They yep. got their man. And to me, I'm hopeful that we're over the short quarterback thing. We should have been. We should have been a while ago. And not every short quarterback's Baker Mayfield. Not every short quarterback's Drew Brees. Right? You have to base it on their individual talent. Mayfield has some success, too. I mean, that's the thing. It's not like... Not just against Denver. Yeah, and I mean... Cleveland's only playoff win since New Year's Day 1995 came with Baker Mayfield at the controls. Where, by the way, not only did he play well in that game, he did it without a head coach because Kevin Stefanski was, right. you know, shelled because of COVID, right? Right, right. And that, that's the thing. I mean, you have to judge each player on their own merits. You can't get 
you can't get too locked up in things like the school they went to. Yes, don't you help even, a scout. You even have to look past the scheme a little bit and focus on the traits. And fo- you know, there are some things that don't translate, but there are some things that do. Leadership translates. Now that being said, with Bryce Young, and I think one reason why the Panthers uh, look to him, even though they got Andy Dalton there in the building, Bryce Young, based on the coaching he's had and what he has run schematically at Alabama, he should be your Week One starter. And Carolina has every shot to win the division Yes, in year one. It's a terrible division is the NFC South. Completely up for grabs. I'd say probably the Saints are the favorite there having traded or not traded for having signed Derek Carr a couple, you know, a couple months back. Right. But Tampa Bay, you know, who, you know, they got Baker but Mayfield. If we who go, knows? Uh, every league's down to the quarterback and the head coach. If we go Dennis Allen or Frank Reich, I know who you and I are taking. Yes. It's not Dennis Allen. Exactly. <laughs> And that's, and not only that, but we see uh, with the Saints, a lot of institutional knowledge has left that building since Sean Payton left, and some of that institutional knowledge is right here in Denver. Right, Broncos taking advantage of that. Yes, Saints losing a little bit of that. So it's yeah, not the same Saints organization where you could rely on them to get more right than wrong. Because Sean Payne's no longer in that building. And can they make a run with the rookie quarterback? You bet. You bet. They, because mm-hmm. you're division winner, you're going to go to the playoffs. Till the NFL changes that rule, you win the division, you can go to the postseason. Carolina could do that with Bryce Young. I can see a path to nine or ten wins for Carolina with Bryce Young. Um, also, again, like even though it didn't have the splash of Sean Payton, I think they nailed not only the head coach in Frank Reich, but bringing in Ezio Evero on the defensive side, right? Bringing in Jim Caldwell as basically the assistant head coach. I mean, he who could still be a head coach. Yeah, he, he. I think he would have been a good choice here if they hadn't gotten Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. Carolina's doing a lot of a lot of things right at this moment. I, I think, think very very solid. Like Denver yeah. got the star in Sean Payton, right? Mm-hmm. And Denver's going to be solid as well. But everything Carolina's done makes football sense. Yeah, as somebody, I somebody who's a friend of mine is around that team said, it's it's like we got the grown-ups back in the building. <laughs> it was a lot of nonsense with Matt Rule the last couple of years. Yeah, I can imagine that. Which is uh, one reason why I'm lukewarm about his possibilities in Nebraska, even though he succeeded at the college level before. When you come back after a pro failure, it's a little bit different, right? I don't know that it's going to be Nick Saban stepping right back into the college ranks and dominating. I don't know if that's going to be the case for Matt Rule. I think he got exposed a little bit in Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we shall see. The Texans pick is in. And, well, Mace, when you find it on Twitter, let me know because we'll talk about it. Uh, The trade of any two did not happen. We got a Shams bomb again. Another Shams bomb. Good job, Shams. CJ Stroud. Very good. Very good. So all there the talk is. and the, the odds changed about 30 minutes ago, 40 minutes ago. The odds in Vegas changed for Stroud to be the number two pick. So now the Raiders not getting C.J. Stroud at seven. He goes where he should, honestly, mm-hmm. number two to the Houston Texans. Makes a lot of sense. I think it's a little bit of a sigh of relief that he's not going to be in the in the AFC West going forward. Houston, And, and the thing is, Houston, I think, is going to play the long game with C.J. Stroud. Um, even though it is a division that 
it's got one really terrific team in the Jaguars, and the rest is kind of a mess right now. Right. Let's see what happens with the Colts here in a couple of picks as well. Which um, might be Will Levis at number yeah. four. Yeah, let's, you know, but now we said the draft began at, the draft began at two. You and I said that yes. on, de- on, uh, on Orange and Blue today. So now here we are. Arizona is going to be on the clock, and they may be fielding trade offers. All right. It is Denver Sports Tonight. It's Cecil Lamy and Andrew Mason. And we are breaking down the NFL draft. The Texans pick is in, and it is C.J. Stroud. So we are going back-to-back quarterbacks. Will it be a trade at number three as Arizona wants to move down? That and more coming up next. Oh, it's Houston Sports Tonight. We've got a trade at the number three pick. Wow. The Houston Texans, who just picked number two, C.J. Stroud, are now probably going to get Will Anderson at number three, Mace, what's the latest? That's the way it's looking. D'Amico Ryan's, of course, an Alabama guy. Oh, beautiful. Uh, he's Incredible. He's got to have the biggest smile of anybody in Texas right now. Sitting there, they they get C.J. Stroud. They turn around. They get Will, Will Anderson, who, even though he's going number three, I think if you did a poll of everyone's board, all 32 teams board, the con- boards, the consensus number one on most big boards around the league would be Will Anderson Jr. Mm, look at tiny Nick Saban sitting there. That's right. The Houston Texans, you heard it correct. Uh, they trade with the Arizona two, Cardinals. And number three, uh, when we know the compensation, we will tell you, but the Houston Texans, we've had three picks in the draft so far. The Texans have had two of them. Mm-hmm. They get C.J. Stroud. You and I were talking off air. This is D'Amico Ryans putting his stamp immediately. An hour ago, the reports were Houston is having disagreements. They don't even know who they want. They get them both. Basically what D'Amico Ryans has done, and yes, Nick Casario was the GM there. I get it. What D'Amico Ryans has done is said, I am willing to tether my success or failure as a head coach to these two players because Nobody's going to be more important for D'Amico Ryans in the outcome of his head coaching career than the two guys they just got in the last 10 minutes. That's amazing. Which, and the other thing also, we were talking about this off air. Houston, of course, is going to run the Shanahan-McVay offense, right? It's extremely complex. So can we put the notion of anything lacking about C.J. Stroud intellectually to bed because Houston did its due diligence. D'Amico Ryans has been around Kyle Shanahan, knows what it takes to learn that offense, and he is saying, I believe that my career is going to be a success in Houston with C.J. Stroud as my quarterback. Yeah, and I don't put, think... Put all, put all the crap to bed. It's done because... A team running an extremely complex system believes C.J. Stroud is going to do just fine in due time running it. More than capable as Houston makes a splash move in the 2023 NFL draft. And I would say this, no one's going to be talking about S2 anymore. They shouldn't have been in the first place. Yeah. Because it's always film. And the film on C.J. Stroud was outstanding. I don't want to call him the safest quarterback in this draft. But you know you're getting a high floor with C.J. Stroud. And then work with him in that system, which as you always say in Orange and Blue today... The Shanahan system makes a quarterback play one level above what their baseline, yeah, or what they should their be norm, playing. their their, their norm, norm, what there should be. Like for example, the way I, I let's view Trevor Simeon, he was a lower mid tier starter under Gary Kubiak, right? 
So we've seen what he's been elsewhere. He's been a low-tier guy. Yep. But and here is Roger Goodell at the podium. With the third pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Houston Texans select Will Anderson Jr., linebacker, Alabama. Wow. Boy, Roger got a, had a little bit of trouble getting that out, didn't he? <laughs> we all do. Happens to the best of yeah, us. Yeah, it does. But the best defensive player in this draft, Miles Garrett-like. Yeah. Uh, I'm comfortable making that comparison for Will Anderson. A special, special player who can set the edge, get after the passer, stuff the run, basically do it all with strength, length, quickness off the line of scrimmage. Will Anderson going to the Houston Texans. The AFC South is going to be really interesting in a couple of years. I don't think the Texans have enough to mount a challenge to Jacksonville this year. And Jacksonville is clearly on the ascendancy and I think is a legitimate Super Bowl contender right now. But let's check back with Houston in the back half of 24, as we get into 2025, that's going to be a pretty fun duel that we see shaping up in the AFC South, South between the Texans and the Jaguars. Well, let's talk about the Colts now on the clock. Does this force their hand to take Will Levis? It does, and I can tell you, um, based on the Colts fans who were at the Combine several <laughs> weeks ago... They didn't seem particularly happy watching Will Levis's workout. Right. They seemed to have a lot more fun watching C.J. Stroud throw the ball than Will Levis. You better go get one of those shrimp cocktails. Yeah, and, and AR-15, Anthony Anthony Richardson as well, yes. watching him. Yes. I mean, he's uh, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, well, Anthony Richardson was going to nail the workout because he's going to have some throws that just make you say, wow. But, right. You know. Yeah. But Will but hey, Will Levis can throw off his knees, right? Exactly. Kyle Bowler, everybody. Oh my gosh. Will Levis to me is Blake Bortles and at his best he's Carson Wentz, which means I don't want him at number four. But now based on what Houston did right in front of you if you're the Colts, Houston's taking all of your thunder. If yeah. you do get this quarterback that nobody really wanted you to. And by the way, Seattle at five, I think is Anthony Richardson. Pete Carroll has reportedly told Geno Smith we're gonna take a quarterback early. To me, that's Anthony Richardson, especially if Levis goes here. So we could have four QBs in the top five picks if it's Levis and Richardson with the next two picks. How do you think Drew Locke feels about that? If they pick Anthony Richardson. Start a podcast, Drew. (laughs) Wow. Start a podcast. Like, uh, like, Drew, you're about to be, you know. Number three. You're you're wearing number two. You're about to be number three. And maybe out of a job. I mean, it's it's a cold business. That's for sure. So some interesting things happening in the AFC South, and this is what the NFL draft is all about. I love seeing the part with the families, with Will oh. Anderson and his mom, and it's just like that's what it's all about. It's you think about when you see the when you see like his mom, like how many practices, practices did mm-hmm. his mom schlep him to over the years? Right? right? How many times were they up early in the morning, right. making a long drive to a football camp or something like that? You know how. How much time in the car, how much, you know, the, the hours are countless. And look, it, it, they, there's the cliche, it takes the village to raise a child. It takes a village to make an NFL player. Oh, yeah. Because it's not just the parents as well. It's the, it's the coaches, it's the teachers, it's all the people that helped that, that helped the formation of, of these young men into who they became. Teammates, that's it's why my favorite question at the Combine is always, Turn the spotlight around on who helped you get here. Yeah. And I've gotten some tears back from yeah, players. Yeah, guys get choked that. up because, like, I mean. Because it means something, yeah. man. Look at Will Anderson right I mean, now. Will is. Look at how much it means to him. Yeah. It's 
it's a, the thing. The, the amazing thing about this night is you watch dreams come true. Yes. Very. You don't see very many players who are up there and are sullen like Eli Manning when he went to the Chargers. <laughs> Having to hold up that jersey. Like, yeah, like stone face. He's trying to smile, but he really can't. Yeah, because he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. It was like Dante and Clerks. Not even supposed to be here today. We are talking about the NFL draft, and history is being made tonight, Mace. Oh, by That's the way, I said, first of all, you want the terms of the trade? Yes. All right. So the Cardinals move the Cardinals move back from three to twelve. Okay. The Cardinals to move down nine slots get Houston's second round pick this year. That's pick thirty three. Okay, that's a premium pick. Houston's first next year and a third next year. Pretty and good this, haul. Is, this is what I mean when I say D'Amico Ryan's pushing his chips in the middle of the table. With these two players, C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson Jr., because they just blew up most of their draft, their high-level draft capital, right. for the rest of this draft and going into next year. Yeah, and that's where it's like, Demetrius Ryan's in, knows that it's not for long. You can't sit around and wait, and hey, in a couple of years we'll be good. No, you got to go try to be good. Right now, as much as you possibly can. Do we know yet who the Colts pick is? Because they keep showing in Anthony Richardson. And if it's Anthony Richardson, Colts fans, you should be breathing a sigh of relief. If it's Will Levis, well, again. It looks like it's Anthony Richardson. Wow. The highest upside in this draft. He has the it factor integrated technique. Just look at Matt Waldman's report. You'll know what I mean. Anthony Richardson, uh, you know, Josh Allen, Cam Newton, whatever you want to say. Absolute athlete. Incredibly strong. Hose for an arm. Absolute cannon of an arm for Anthony Richardson. And if you're the Colts, it is Anthony Richardson. It is. My goodness. That'll make their fans happier than Will Levis. That'll make them happy. And, KJ, just give me the thumbs up when we've got Roger Goodell to make that announcement. Anthony Richardson, number four overall to the Indianapolis Colts as the Colts get their franchise QB. With the fourth pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. Wow. There are some... Broken hearts in the Pacific Northwest right now. Yes, yes, because Anthony Richardson, they're staring right at Seattle. Now to Seattle Swift switch and go to Will Levis, who basically they already have in Drew Locke. Um, this is huge. And the AFC South, just look at the how the power structure has been altered in the AFC South with what the Texans have done and what the Colts have now done. Or if you're the Seahawks, do you look to pivot and trade down and roll the dice and maybe accumulate some extra picks because it's still a roster that needs some spackling, basically. And with Seattle, there was one player, one defensive player that they told everyone in the media they wanted. Maybe they just go defense at five. We'll talk about it next. Boy, those Kansas City fans could use some SodaWayLoss.com. I'm sorry. I'm a jerk, Andrew Mason. Hey, now. (laughs) It's all good. Hey, I mean, I I could use that. We all could, right? We all could. I'm, mm-hmm. That's I'm right. Down, I'm down. I'm down a few pounds, but you know, I'm like uh, the guy in knocked up, like just tighter. Just tighter. All right, the Seahawks. We gotta. We got a pick coming in from them. Okay, Seattle's pick is in Devin Witherspoon. Not the defensive player that they've been telling everyone they were taking Jalen Carter. I have Jalen Carter going to Uh 20 to Seattle in my mock. And everyone's like, Jalen Carter falling to 20. Seattle said they'd take him at five. 
Seattle said that, but you know me, Mace. I'm kind of the contrarian. When you're uh-huh. telling me something, I'm like, why are you saying that? Seattle obviously lying, and then, of course, they had the Anthony Richardson pulled right out from under him. Yeah, and so that doesn't mean that they won't go quarterback, but I think now they're maybe working on a plan for Hendon Hooker down the line. Down the line so they the could draft. move back from 20, honestly, and probably they still could, get Hooker in the 30s. Yeah, actually, if you really want to kind of play some 4D chess, you, uh, you know, you you get it done before before the end of the night. Get him picked, trade back, pick him about thirtieth or so, and uh, get him on the fifth year option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what you do, and that's what uh, your Teddy Bridgewater, mm-hmm. you know, that type of stuff. With Devin Witherspoon, to me, Mace, it's that basketball skill set that he brings to the cornerback position. Mm-hmm. Devin Witherspoon, I had going to number six uh, to the Detroit Lions from the Rams, but Witherspoon instead goes number five. Uh, clearly everyone's top corner in this draft, and it is that attacking the ball like a wide receiver. It's body positioning. It's my ball mentality. And he's talk- we're talking about a corner. Mm-hmm. So that's what Witherspoon brings to the field. Probably the first of, I'd say, f- four corners that go in this first round. Yeah, plays with, uh, yeah, I think plays beyond his years as well. Plays with a, te- right. plays, uh, with a technically sound style that... Uh, you usually expect from a guy who's been in the league a couple of years. And if you're Seattle, you're thinking two things. Number one, you put him opposite Tariq Woolen. Good luck throwing on us. Number two, when you look at Woolen, but also look at the early draft, some of the early cornerbacks taken in the draft in recent years, talking about Sauce Gardner, talking about, of course, Pat Sertan here in Denver. Those dudes were ready and rolling immediately. They're expecting that same kind of impact from Witherspoon. Here's Roger Goodell. Cornerback, Illinois. There you go, Roger Goodell making that call. Oh, there he is. He's a cons- um, and you've seen that with those early picks of corner. Teams are just going to say, "Hey, you know, I think Bijan Robinson's in the top five of talented players in this draft." But it's position. I think he goes at eight. But it's positional value. Positional value yeah. says corner. It's all always people who affect the quarterback. It's tackles. It's pass rushers. It's quarterbacks themselves, and it's corner. I'll always say you got a core four positions: QB, pass protecting tackle. Edge rusher, CB1. It was why you could rationalize Pat Sertan two years ago. Because even if you weren't going for a QB, you were getting a core player. Yes. You're getting a core player. a premium four. position. And I'll say this. This may shock you, Mace. So make sure you're secure in your chair. Okay. Um, he's a better corner than Tariq Wollin. He is CB1. Mm-hmm. Even though Tariq Wollin led the league in interceptions... Witherspoon's got full corner ability. And because of that, Tariq's going to see the ball thrown his way, and he's going to keep picking off pieces. He's going to keep picking this off is passes. Like, yeah. It's perfect. It's like a funnel. Hey, go over there. I mean, Seattle is basically... Um, They're rejuvenating the Legion of Boom. They are. They, they, but They're it's, redoing it. Bring it back. But, the, but it's a different style. This is not going to be a group that's going to take your head off. This is a group that's just going to lock you down. Yeah, that they've got. It's a it's Legion of Boom 2.0, but it's a little more subtle New in boom. how they in, in in how they do these things. Right, a, a New softer boom. touch. New boom. yes, oh, a, a modern. They're hey, they're clapping in Seattle, but like oh, that that does not look enthusiastic. We're seeing the Seahawks drafting right now on ESPN. Oh boy. Oh yeah. Hey hey, everybody. Like, hey hey. Is Andrew Richardson? No. It's not. So not a QB, but instead so, the best cornerback in this So Devin Witherspoon, Witherspoon yes. is taken with the pick 
That was part of the Russell Wilson trade. Yes. So how are you feeling about that Broncos country? I know the Aaron Rodgers trade had made people triggered about the Russell Wilson trade. Well, Seattle just got a corner, a damn good corner, but a they corner. did not get a quarterback of the future with that number five pick. Yep. Drew okay. Locke. You know what? I'm picturing Drew Locke and Geno Smith uh, like in uh, like draft day. Brian Drew. Like when the pick comes in, it's <laughs> Vontae Mack, and you see Brian Drew in front of his soul. Yes! Yes! And he's hugging his wife, and it's this warm <laughs> cinematic moment. Right, right. Meanwhile, Cleveland fans are furious because they didn't pick Bo Callahan. Yeah. There you go. Draft Day, the worst movie that you must watch today. Yes. By the way, you see Steve Kime on, a on I think it was with Dan Patrick. I know. That explains, if Steve Kime says that Draft Day is a lot like real life, real life yeah. that explains what was wrong with Arizona <laughs> these last several years. Oh, uh, I would say something more about intoxication, but I don't want to be mean, so uh, we'll move on from that. I'm trying to keep it from being personal here. Yes, don't be personal. Yeah. But Steve Kime, you know, uh, yeah. hey... Everyone get a doppelganger if you want to do something wrong. This is not legal advice, but get someone that looks like you so they get fired instead of you. Uh, anyway, so now the Detroit Lions are on the clock at number six from the L.A. Rams. Now, I have a need for them at corner. I also have a need for them at running back. That running back's coming at 18. Mm-hmm. Mark my words, I pretty much know who 18's going to be. So that'll be a running back. Right now, though... They're at a point where a Tyree Wilson, you can never have too many edge players. Texas Tech, pass rusher, bend and burst. You could look at Lucas Van Ness, make Chicago upset because they want him at number nine. So you've got some edge players you could take here. Honestly, you could still go back to the well with the Joy Porter Jr. at Penn State. Um, you could go Christian Gonzalez as well, cornerback of Oregon. You've got a really top-heavy class at the cornerback position. But, man, if you're the Lions and you get and, uh – and you end up coming at, coming out with a perfect compliment for Aiden Hutchinson here. I mean, oh, could we got trade. Cardinals just traded number six. So, so hey, all right, so much for that. I mean, we're about to you know to to cut it all up with the Cardinals going edge and going Tyre or the Lions going edge going Tyree Wilson. Cardinals now on the clock. Okay, trading some of that capital that they got from Houston. Almost certainly in the deal here. He is Andrew Mason. You follow him on Twitter at Mace Denver. I'm at Cecil Lammy. Watch us in a special edition of Orange and Blue today, tonight. We're going live as soon as the draft is done. We'll be back here on all of our social channels, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Thank you all for watching. Thank you for listening to Denver Sports tonight. He's Mace. I'm Cease. Thanks to KJ, man in the box. Stay tuned. Stay frosty. One shot, do not miss your chance to blow This opportunity comes once in a lifetime